0: Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Our usual TV troubles. Get it going back up. How was everyone? Good. Good? We come back on? Sweet. I'm even ready. Check it out. I got my sermon already up on my iPad. You guys are in luck. No messing around with it today. But... So we'll jump right into it. Um, week four into chapter two, and so far um, we've made it through nine verses. My mom was asking yesterday if uh, what verses we're going to be covering today, and I told her we're going to be covering ten through twelve. And she's like, "What? Well, how come you broke it up so much? Like most of the ver- sermons I've listened to to prepare, they do 12, one through 12 or 2 one through twelve or two one through twelve, all in one sermon." I'm like, "Yeah, well, I don't know. There was a lot to just." Take and unpack from this. We felt like so we've been diving into it pretty extensively. Um, and Jen Carter, you posted something about teaching on the Bible and, and uh, a post this week from a very well-known pastor, and it kind of it, it solidified like that's why we teach the Bible. That's why we teach the Word here. Um, you know, the, the post said something along the lines of um, we don't preach the Bible. We're just going to focus on evangelism. And it's a very well-known pastor, very well-known church. And it was like, oh, like, that's the reason we teach the fullness of God's word here. We want everyone to know and, and hear God's word taught, and we want you guys to go and read it for yourself. So we are coming to the end of this one story, and we were talking last week, um, and, well, wait, well, was it last week now? Man, when did I start this sermon? Anyways, we're talking about it kind of maybe seems like we're going to be beating a dead horse, getting into the same things over and over again. Do we really need to break it down so much? But after these last three weeks and what I just said, like there's reason why we do it and we're just going to continue to preach through God's word and God will reveal who he is through his word. So we're at the conclusion of Jesus at the home in Capernaum and he comes in. The crowds have gathered. He's teaching some friends uh Some people, you know, a friend group comes in, they break open their roof, they lower down their friend, and there's this interaction between Jesus and the scribes. That's what we've all uh, gone over so far. And we were talking with Tony and Chris uh, and myself, like, how long did this whole interaction take? How long, like, they come in, uh, he's sitting on his mat, they lower him through the the, uh, roof, And, like, I just picture him, like, as this interaction between Jesus and the scribes is going on, like like that uh, kid caught in between a parent's argument, like, uh, should I take a side? Do I take a side? Should I say something? Like, just kind of awkwardly sitting there in that moment as Jesus is addressing the scribes, right? So we're going to pick up, and I'm actually going to read all of this, Mark 1, uh, or Mark 2, 1 through 12. So go ahead and open up your Bible, Um, If you don't have a Bible, we'll have it on the screen here. If you got a Bible app, open up your Bible app, whatever floats your boat. So, 2, 1 through 12. Reagan, you controlling the slides for me? Okay. And when he returned to Capernaum after some days, it was reported that he was at home. And many were gathered together so that there was no more room, not even at the door. And he was preaching the word to them. And they came, bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. And when they could not get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And when they had, er, and when they had made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, "'Son, your sins are forgiven.'" But you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed and go home. And he rose immediately, picked up his bed and went out before them all so that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, we never saw anything like this. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for your amazing grace for the work that you've done and the work that you continue to do, God. I pray today that you would speak in and through me, um, that you'd push me to the side and that your words would be spoken, that you would be glorified, God. I thank you for this opportunity to be up here teaching your word, and I pray, God, that I would be a good steward of your word and teaching your word, God. I pray that as people leave here, they glorify you, wanting more of you, wanting to get into the word more, to do, just build that relationship with you, Lord. I thank you, and I say these things in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. All right. So I've got my, my first slide here. If you'll pull that up, Reagan. It says, Jesus is the Son of Man. So we're going to break this this down starting in verse 10, I believe. It says, "But that you may know that the Son of man has authority on earth to forgive sins." So what is the significance of this? Why is it important to know what this means? Right? The Son of Man. What are we talking about here when Jesus is saying that he is the Son of Man? In the Gospels, it's found 81 times that Jesus is the Son of Man. And this is often how Jesus refers to himself as the Son of Man. But why? Right? Why does he, why, he He? knows who he is? Why doesn't he refer to himself as the Son of God? Why doesn't he call himself the Christ? Why doesn't he call himself the Messiah? Jesus says, Jesus is, he is the son of man. Serving, suffering, and coming in glory. So, the son of man. What does this mean? Where does it come from? Let's take a look at the Old Testament, Daniel 7, 13 through 14. Boom. I saw in the night Visions. The Son of Man is the one who has come to establish God's kingdom. In those verses, in Daniel 7, 13-14, it sounds an awful lot like Jesus, right? The time is now fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand, ushered in by Jesus. Jesus is the Son of Man of this Old Testament passage in Daniel 7, 13-14. In the flesh, truly man, he identifies with humanity and serves and suffers on our behalf. God incarnate, truly God, the coming Lord of glory. He first came to suffer, then he came in glory. Jesus came claiming the title of Son of Man. Right? And this allowed him to refer to the, to the total scope of what his mission is. Right, The mission without having all the political weight that Messiah or Christ carried that the Jews wanted. The Jewish people had in mind that their Messiah was going to be this great political leader. They had in mind that their Christ was going to come and overthrow the Roman government. Jesus was the Messiah that they needed, but not the one they were wanting Jesus is the Son of Man, and it's to show you that I, in person, he said in this verse 10, right? To show you that I, in person, have this power to forgive sins. Jesus challenges the scribes here. They're going to be challenged to make a decision as to who Jesus is with that question who can forgive sins but God alone? Right? And there's 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 some observations that I made here. Right? One, only God can forgive sins. And two, Jesus is saying I'm forgiving sins. And number three, Jesus is standing claiming in the very place of God and exercising his authority. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Look at all that Jesus has done up to this point, right? He's healed people. He's expelled demons. He's revealed their hidden thoughts. Jesus is the Son of Man. Isaiah 35.6, go ahead and pull that up. Then shall the lame man leap like a deer and the tongue of the mute sing for joy for waters break forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. This is about the Messiah. This is the Messiah they were expecting. This is the one that they read about that they knew. Oh Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. Right. These passages are talking about that healing. They're talking about that Messiah these things that they've shown, these things that Jesus has done, this should have been enough for the scribes already. Everything that he has done should prove with what authority he is working. If he has God's authority to heal, he has God's authority to expel. If he has God's authority to reveal their own thoughts, he has the authority to forgive sins. Right? And in this in these passages, healing is easy to see. It's easy to see when someone's been healed. The forgiveness of sins is a little bit harder to see. But Jesus is saying, "The healing of this paralytic man is going to make evident the truth that I'm making about forgiveness, that he has the authority to forgive sins. He has the authority to say, Son, your sins are forgiven. His words mean something, right? We've seen that over and over and over and over again in the first chapter of Mark. His words carry weight have authority. And in verse 11, I call it the mic drop moment, right? You guys know what a mic drop is? Want me to demonstrate a rap battle for you guys and then I'll drop a mic? No, I'm not going to. Zach, will you drop a beat? (laughs) No? Can he not carry a beat? Only. All right. But he has this moment you know, the mic drop moment, boom, he lets go. And he says, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. And so as we as we go through um, the Gospel of Mark, and when we're reading, and one of the things that, that uh, Chris maybe has talked about this already, there's some questions that we help, uh, that we ask ourselves to help, you know, kind of see what God's talking about here. Things to prepare our minds, things to help us preach. And so I got a question up here that we're going to dive into in these verses. And it says, what does this text teach me about God? Reagan, you got it up there? You should have a slide there for me. Uh, it should say, what does this text teach me about God? It's after Mark 2.11. Boom. What does this text teach me about God? When we get into God's Word and we read it and we meditate on it, one thing we should be concerned with is not just what it teaches us, but primarily what it teaches us about God, about who He is, what it teaches us about Him. And we know from this text, without a doubt, that it is God that can forgive sins, right? Right? Jesus knew this, the scribes knew this, I'm sure there's people in the crowd that knew this, but God can forgive sins. What else does this teach me about God? What does this text teach me about God? We can look at it and see the compassion of God, see his character in it, see who he is. We see that Jesus saw a greater need than just this physical healing. He saw that he was wounded by sin. What does this text teach me about God? It te- teaches me that he did not leave that man paralyzed, nor did he leave him in sin. God honors his faithfulness with his very own faithfulness. Next question that I got here. Go ahead. Humanity. Humanity. Boom. What does this text teach me about humanity? Us, humans, people. Right, we can look at this. We are created in the glorious image of God. We are the Imago Dei, God's image bearers. But because of the fall, we are all marred by sin. This text teaches us about humanity in that it reveals that our greatest need is way more than just Physical. We need some intercession. We have a God that is able to do immeasurably more than we could ever ask for, and it's according to His great power. To Him be all the glory. And I think it also shows um, how we can act on the other side of things, that we can be the religious at times, that we can be the scribes. We can think that we have it all together, that we have all the answers when we get super self-righteous. Dun-da-da-da, super self-righteous, man. right? And, and I'll tell you guys, I'll be the first to tell you. I've shared this before. I've been there where I know the truth of the gospel and I sit up here on Nick's throne and I look down my nose at everybody sitting here. I've been there where I think that, like, man, why aren't they on the same level as me? Why can't they just be, like, see what I see and just have it all together like I do? I've been there where I've sat in the chairs thinking, oh, so-and-so could really hear what Pastor Chris is preaching on today. Oh, man, I wish so-and-so was here because, like, Pastor Tony was like, speaking right to their situation right now. <laughs> yeah. But I've been there on the other side of things, acting like one of the scribes, questioning Jesus and thinking I got all the answers. Next question What does this text teach me about Jesus? Got it up there? Boom. How does it relate to his person, his work, and his teaching? As we've gone through the gospel according to Mark, I'll let you guys answer this. Has, it, has it, is, is the gospel according to Mark done a, a good job or a bad job at revealing as Jesus, the Son of God? Good job. Good job. It's done a pretty dang good job, Right? So we know that Jesus is the Son of God. We know that Jesus can heal. We know uh, Jesus knows our hearts. We learn from this text that Jesus knows our thoughts. Jesus frees the oppressed, he heals the sick, and he heals the lame. We can know about Jesus from this text that he is the son of man that fulfills the glorious vision that is is in Daniel that we talked about. He has all authority on heaven and earth and we have no king but Christ. Can you guys see that in these verses? Next question. What does God want me to know from these these passages? And when you read it, you might have some different answers. You don't have to have my answers. But what are some truths in these passages? Something that I took away from it is that we need, I need God's Word. The word of God spoken into my heart is what transforms and sanctifies me. I need God's word. I need only to flee to Jesus and Jesus alone. He is the one that has the power to forgive sins. Why? Because he is God. Fully God, fully man. I like saying this, truly God, truly man. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. What does God want me to know about this? I encourage you, this week, take some time and and think about some of these questions and go over them for yourself when you're spending time in God's Word. The last question I have, how does this text change the way I live? And I've shared this story plenty of times, but uh, it goes really good. And it's a story when Jesse and Danielle, Pastor Jesse and his wife left the church. The aftermath of that, where I felt like I wasn't qualified, that I couldn't do this, that Jess and I couldn't do this together. And I honestly can tell you guys, I prayed often for God to let me know that it was time to close the doors of the church. It's like, I'm done. Just tell me that we're done, and I'm out. And I waited, and I waited, and I prayed and prayed because I was ready to just walk away. And he showed his faithfulness. And as I continued to pray, he wasn't giving me the answer that I was wanting. He patiently showed me time and time again that he wanted us to continue to pastor here at Gospel Community Church. And one of those faithful things that he did is that he brought alongside two families to come with us in this. The Politos and the Martinez's and we were like, holy crap. He just provided us with some faithful friends to come alongside of us. And it began to change the way that I lived. Last week, Pastor Tony asked this question, what has God shown you? And I hope that you took it serious and reflected on that question. Because There's something to be said about like going back, remembering, reflecting on what God has done done for you. But but for me, I'll be honest, sometimes when I get into those moments of, of what has God shown me, when I get into those moments of reflection, I'll get into like, oh, I miss that. I want that again. I want to be in that place. I want to feel that zeal. I want to have that again. And, and I get kind of down on myself that I don't have that. Or in the middle of something going on, when there's healing and I can feel his presence and I know that he's doing work, I want to stay in that moment. But that, those, these verses rise pick up your bed and go home I think about that the paralytic sitting there right he's lowered in he's watching the interaction happen and Jesus says rise pick up your bed and go home rise right here you know let's let's paint a little picture of here maybe if, you know this is something that I was just coming up with as I was thinking about this you know the paralytic man sitting there I'm going to kind of speak from his perspective rise pick up your bed and go home I feel it in my bones I feel something happening rise pick up your head and or pick up your bed and walk I know what has just happened Jesus has just healed me Rise, pick up your bed and go home. But I don't want to. I want to be here at the feet of Jesus. Rise, pick up your bed and go home. Jesus, this feels so good. I don't want to leave this moment. Rise, pick up your bed and go home. Oh, Jesus, you're telling me for some other reason. It's not only for my benefit. Rise, pick up your bed and go home. I'm going to do it. I stand up, I hear the gasps, I hear the people whisper, rise, pick up your bed and go home, and I start to walk. The People are amazed. They're glorifying you, Jesus. Rise, pick up your bed and go home. In the middle of those moments of healing, it's easy. to you want to just stay in that moment? But Jesus commands us, here, we can see and take from this text that Jesus doesn't want us to always just sit in that moment. You're forgiven. I have done the work, he says. He wants us to glorify him for all that he's done in us. worship glorifying Him is the most appropriate response to the work of God in the life, death, and resurrection of His Son, Jesus. The paralytic goes out and Jesus leaves people amazed. They weren't amazed at the man. They were amazed at Jesus. And Pastor Tony briefly touched on this last week, and it's the the trilemma that C.S. Lewis came up with. Have you guys ever heard of the C.S. Lewis trilemma? Anybody out here? Jan, I'm sure you've probably heard of it. And it's Jesus is either liar, lunatic, or Lord. Right? He's either just lying about who he is, He's completely insane, or he is exactly who he says he is, Lord, the Messiah. And, and there's a, a theologian that he wrote a book, and, and I like, he added something onto this, and it says, uh, and I've, I've adopted it, Jesus is either liar, lunatic, Lord, or just plain awesome. Jesus is the God who forgives sins. He's my God. He's forgiven my sins. If you're here as a follower of Jesus and you profess that Jesus is your Messiah, He is the the Christ, He is the Lord, He is the Savior of your life, He is your God. He has forgiven your sins and He is just plain awesome. Awesome. Amen? And we get invited into this relationship in, in with Him because of the work that He's done on the cross. Because He came, He lived a perfect life, He was betrayed, He died a brutal death. A few weeks we're going to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. Jesus is alive today, seated at the right hand of the Father. We don't have a dead God, we have a living God. And passages like this, we're called to live in His obedience because He transforms and sanctifies us. The work that He's done, He leaves people amazed at who He is. and we get to join in together in glorifying him and saying we never saw anything else like Jesus. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for for the work that you've done, Lord. I pray, God, as we go out from here, that we live in the freedom that you've given us and the victory that you've given us. That we wouldn't get caught up in the reflecting and missing the moments that we used to have. That we wouldn't get stuck in the healing and the moment that we have right now, God. That we would go forward proclaiming your name and sharing the gospel with others and showing people what you can do and what you have done, Lord. That when we speak, we don't speak to leave people amazed at our story, but we leave and we speak to leave people amazed at your story. God, I thank you for your grace and your mercy. And I say these things in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen.